Hi, this is James Barris. I hope you find this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed to do that. Your support is greatly appreciated. Of, of awakening is like being in a house that you don't realize the refrigerator has been on all the time and all of a sudden it stops. Oh, nice. So, may we all speedily open to the awakened state. Hmm. Uh, well, first, I want to say that I don't know if this will be a full-on. This might be more like a darmet than a <laughs> talk. That's what we that's what we call them. Uh, I don't know. You know, I'm, I could get into it. Uh, I mean, I hope I'll get into it, but it, the, the, I don't know what the length will be. Because um, one thing <clears throat> to kind of give you a context is <clears throat> this. This month is um, I'm um, meeting a deadline. Finally, this book that I've been working on for the last three lifetimes uh, is the I have to have the uh, the at least the, the completed manuscript. It'll go through some other corrections and stuff, uh, but I have to have it in by the end of this month. So. Um, I'm just kind of uh, full boring it, and um, hope it's not boring. But I'm full going full bore, and um, <laughs> and uh, so I I am not spending as long uh, on the uh, uh, talk preparation. Um, but I did have something that I wanted to talk about that was coming up for me, and with. This talk and uh, and these uh, the talks these next few weeks we can also have a chance hopefully to just talk about practice see if there's questions about practice or topics that you want to bring up and uh, can be a bit more informal. Um, A few um, months ago, I guess it was, I gave a, a talk. The title was, uh, I know that I'm stuck and I still can't get out. <clears throat> and this is a kind of revisiting with, a, with a, just a, a new perspective on things that I hadn't been getting in touch with at that point. <clears throat> When you uh, sit a long retreat, as well as when you teach uh, a longer retreat, um, held in that refuge and the, in the lap of the Dharma, um, <clears throat> there's great possibilities of change. And the, uh, particularly because as you keep on practicing with uh, mindfulness and 
metta and, and uh, other heart qualities, as well as hearing the Dharma and looking for yourself, your armoring comes down. It's like you peel away layers. And there's a, a malleability that's possible that's very different than when you're in a normal daily life mode. Sometimes I mentioned this on the retreat. When you go in for an interview, uh, it, it's it, you're, you're not in your normal normal waking consciousness. It's like you're, for me, when I go in for an interview and I'm in the middle, the thick of a retreat, I feel like I'm about six or seven years old, you know, which is a very good thing, particularly if you can trust the person that you're about to speak to. But with all of that armoring down, and there's, there, there's a, a, an innocence and a freshness and a, um, an opportunity for truths to hit so much more deeply and also for understandings that perhaps hadn't been so obvious before, for there to be, sometimes it almost feels like a cellular rearrangement at times. And then you come back into the world and at first your armoring is still down and you're feeling very vulnerable and very uh, very fresh, as I mentioned to people when they leave a retreat. It's like, uh, I think of myself like a, a newborn baby. And one moment it's, wow. And then the next it's, wow, is it too much? <laughs> as the, the stimulation is so intense. And so it's really important to know how to nourish yourself and how to take care of yourself and how to uh, monitor when you're feeling a bit overwhelmed and overloaded. As I say to people in the transitions, that um, you will very naturally go through mood swings and energy swings, that that's part of the process of reentry. Um, and then your armoring comes back, which is healthy. Uh, you need some degree of armoring. It's healthy up to a point. If you could just find that middle point where it's kind of like semi-permeable, where there's a protection from the intensity, but the heart and the, and the mind is still taking in all the beauty around you and uh, able to, to share it uh, as you would on retreat. You know, that's, that's, that happens more and more, I think, as you go through the process. But that transition is, is often uh, um, challenging. Um, so then what happens also, as the armoring comes down, just as the armoring comes back, I'll just finish that thought, um, you kind of uh, often coalesce in the place that you're at on, on the retreat. And then the next time you do the retreat, it's, it, you sit a retreat, it's like you, you kind of pick up where you left off in a mysterious way. So you're almost like having two tracks of reality, your inner world and your outer world. Um, and it's not so often that you uh, get a chance in your daily life for there to be that malleability. Sometimes it happens when 
something very profound can happen. Uh, either uh, sometimes uh, uh, a tragedy can can shake you up, or a, a fantastic uh, boon that kind of you know wakes you out of your normal routine, and you start to uh, crack open to life in in a in a profound way. And and then there can be, of course, people go through these profound changes whether or not they've sat retreats. But retreat um, life is particularly um, supportive of those kinds of changes. Anyway, um, as, you, uh, as you come back, sometimes um, you can feel the difference, leaving the difference, leaving the the refuge, say, of Spirit Rock, and of the, being held in the Dharma, and then you're out here in the world. Um, even the 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 most skillful and experienced practitioner uh, can feel that difference, and you can sometimes see all your stuff from a, in a whole new way, and it can be humbling. As I mentioned to, to people at the end of uh, the transition from the month long, the first time I did a longer retreat and I went through integration week, what was sometimes called disintegration week, uh, because it's so like, it can be so um, challenging. Uh, and I opened up my mouth and there was judgment, paranoia, and all the old stuff, and I went running to Joseph saying it didn't work. <laughs> and I thought of asking for my money back, but I didn't quite have, have a gumption to, to say that. And he reminded me, as I remind many people, uh, it's not about doing away with anything. It's about making friends with every part of you that's inside. And you see it more clearly, and you also see the beauty much more clearly, too. So it's not just bad news. You see, you see things, you see the beauty of life around you, and you see, hopefully, your own goodness in there if you're not too stuck on what, what's, what you wish was different. Mm. But it can be humbling, as uh, uh, my, one of my teachers, Punjaji, used to say, you know, when you see things in a very profound way, and you think, oh, now I've finished with my work, and then he says, then the snakes come out of their holes, and that's that's good. They're escaping from their holes, and there's a kind of purification that happens. I think I read this. Uh, I read it on the retreat, but I'm not sure how. Recently, I read it here from, from Be Here Now. Ramdas says, As you further purify yourself, your impurities will seem grosser and larger. Understand that it's not that you're getting more caught in the illusion. It's just that you're seeing it more clearly. The lions guarding the gates of the temples get fiercer as you proceed toward each inner temple. But of course, the, lighter, uh, the light is brighter too. <laughs> no, she, uh, <laughs> Allison says, is it my original copy? No, my, my original copy 
is somewhere in the ethers that <laughs> I loaned it to somebody. I have no idea, but that was a very dog-eared copy. No, this is in the last few years. Um, how many people have read this book? Okay, it's a good book. A good book. Um, so, in that humbling. <clears throat> like uh, Jack's book, After the Ecstasy, The Laundry. <laughs> and going back, not only in leaving the refuge, but you're in the middle of a very fast-paced life, <clears throat> going into the mundane and, and stress and things like that. And so for me, I'll make this more personally, I, uh, particularly having this, having a deadline and, and stuff, and it's like, oh, there's pressure here. I did a fair amount of work on during the month long, but now the rubber is really meeting the road, and mm, I've got a deadline here. <clears throat> so there can be and was a tendency to just get a little bit more contracted, like, oh, okay, I'm not being held in the Dharma, and I've got to get, uh, the only holding in the Dharma is in my heart. And I could feel that kind of um, contraction happening. And what is really interesting is the mind can know, can see it very clearly. You know, Oh, I see what's happening. I know, of course. But even though the mind knows and can be very patient, can be compassionate, can be uh, uh, understanding, the body still goes through its particular contractions. And um, what I wanted to talk about was something that I got in touch with in the last couple of days. It was such a gift. It was really beautiful. Um, when the armoring is up and you're protecting yourself on a physical level, even though the mind knows better, knows this is going to take a while to open up, just be patient, know it's going to pass, just be where you are, it's really fine. Um, the key that I've been finding is to somehow get in touch with the soft spot underneath it all. We're so busy trying to protect ourselves physically, like first chakra protecting ourselves, that um, sometimes it takes it takes some doing to get in touch with that place of vulnerability inside, and that seems to be uh, a real uh, key. Now, particularly, I'll say this for for uh, men uh, that women often not universally but often are much more in touch with their feelings and can actually uh, let themselves release and cry and feel a tenderness. Um, 
And that is such a key thing to just let yourself feel a tenderness of heart. And um, for me, I had this experience just in the last few days. So on the retreat, one of the, um, uh, one of the managers was Eve Decker, uh, who I love. She's, uh, she's been here before. She's done... Uh, she's sung some of her songs and uh, she has come to the Joy Course and she's part of this group, Rebecca Riots, if you're not familiar with uh, with her stuff. And um, she's got really great uh, Dharma material. And every time I could, when we were in the yurt, I'd say, Eve, get out your guitar. And she'd always say, oh, okay. Uh, and we'd... I'd, I'd get to hear her sing, and I say, "Everybody, let's listen to Eve." And then they say, "Oh, okay." So um, I was uh, in the, a couple of days before the retreat ended. Um, she played a song that she wrote uh, for my 60th birthday, and I had forgotten about the song until she played it, and it's about. Uh, it's about aging, and I, I tried to, um, I tried to learn it. Uh, I, I have the words down, and uh, I, I just, I didn't quite have it down enough to get my, uh, to bring it, to bring my guitar and do it on my own. But and in fact, I'm the only one that has a recording of the song because I recorded it at my 60th birthday, and I play. And the other day, when I was feeling kind of stuck. I said, "Oh, I have that song because it was kind of rolling around in my in my mind, kind of in the in the back of it." And um, I said, "I think I had that," and I did. And I played it, and every time I play it, there's something that really moves me about it. Uh, the the words are are quite beautiful. Um, in fact, I'll sing the a cappella. This I'll sing the first verse. Okay. Now this is a stretch because uh, a cappella, you know, you, there, there's no hiding. But um, but I just want you to hear a little bit of of the song so you you can be on my wavelength. And uh, I didn't think I was going to do this, but it's coming out now. Uh, I said no, 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 don't do that. But um, just so you hear, it's it goes. Uh, I keep getting, I keep getting more gray hairs and the lines around my eyes surprise me. Don't have the energy I once had. A quiet night at home satisfies me. This good old body is slowing down and having more pain. This good old mind is still having fun running its games. I'm getting older. It's all right. It's all right. It's all right. Yeah, getting older. It's all right. It's all right. It's all right. You're getting older too. It's all right. It's all right. It's all right. It's just something these bodies do. So you kind of get the idea. Um, and when I when I played it, 
every time I played it, it was just this little place that got to my heart that melted it. And all I needed was just, mm, just a tear or two. Uh, I've now I, I've always been mm, at movies when I was a kid. You know, I'd cry. The Eddie Dushan story, they had a kind of mop up the whole theater <laughs> after me. Um, and I, but I don't, I don't cry for, you know, terrible things. I just cry when my heart is touched. I used to cry when I'd, uh, one, one image that I have is getting into uh, reading with, with Adam with, when he was young and reading, oh, Chronicles of Narnia or, you know, some, some really beautiful, profound kids, uh, kids book and, and I'd start to well up and he'd say, oh, dad, there you go again, you know. <laughs> and that was my, my key to connecting with the Dharma. I knew that I was still alive if my heart could be touched like that. Uh, anyway, it was touched the other day and as soon as I allowed myself, as I played the song, oh, about ten times or, or more and then wrote down the words and then played it some more, uh, it just made me appreciate so much the power of tenderness and that when you're feeling stuck, if there's anger or there's frustration or there's fear or there's somehow this place that just can't come out, you can't bypass that tender heart. You can stay on the surface level and feel armored, but underneath all of those surface contracted feelings is a heart that just wants to come out and be felt. There's a, uh, the Buddha has an image of anger. He calls it, um, what is it? A honey crest and a, poison, and a poisoned root. It looks justifiable and there's something seductive about it, but underneath it's really, it's really eating us up. Underneath the anger, underneath the, the, the frustration, there's a place that it's a soft spot. And that it's, it's really getting in touch with mm, the poignancy of life, getting in touch with just a wistful, um, sadness. Sokni Rinpoche, this wonderful Tibetan teacher, he talks about compassion. It's like a doorway to compassion. He says, you know, it, there, there's something to going out, watching a sunset, having a glass of wine. He said this at Spirit Rock when everybody was doing their, you know, was on the precepts and all. He said, having a glass of wine you know, and just Taking a sip, now I'm not recommending you do this, but taking a sip and just letting your heart feel the poignancy of it all as you see the sun setting, that there's something so sweet and tender about it that it can open up the doorway to the heart of compassion. I wanted to share with you one of my favorite quotes by uh, Trungpa Rinpoche, who was one of the most quotable people ever. 
this is from Shambhala, uh, sacred, uh, the sacred warrior. If you search for awakened heart, if you put your hand through your rib cage and feel for it, there's nothing there except for tenderness. You feel sore and soft. And if you open your eyes to the rest of the world, you feel tremendous sadness. This kind of sadness doesn't come from being mistreated. You don't feel sad because someone has insulted you or because you feel impoverished. Rather, this experience of sadness is unconditioned. It occurs because your heart is completely exposed. There's no skin or tissue covering it. It is pure, raw meat. Even if a tiny mosquito lands on it, you feel so touched. Your experience is raw and tender and so personal. Having the heart that open that even a mosquito could land on it. You say, oh, yes. Not contracting with anything, but just that tenderness gets you in touch with the place that is so willing to be with the truth and so trusting in the authenticity that there's no need to hide, there's no place to hide, there's no wanting to hide. And then you open up from the sadness. It doesn't stay sad. It's just there's that, that entree into the suffering of life that connects us all, the tenderness of life that we can have to meet that suffering, and then opening up to deep compassion held by equanimity that can be here for anything. And then, of course, out of that comes a real joy as well. They're so close. Tenderness, sadness, and, and a joyful heart. This is not the, the sadness, like he says, that's about, oh, I wish things were different. It's just letting yourself be touched. So I, I just want to encourage us all, particularly when we're stuck, to allow yourself to feel the soft spot as mm, vulnerable as it is. There's a real strength in that vulnerability. There's a, there's a kind of courage in that vulnerability. Uh, and I... I'll read a couple of uh, Dana Fald's poems that uh, she puts this so well. This one is called Low Point. I've hit a low point in a succession of peaks and valleys. This is a trough. It's dark as a nightmare in here, and every fiber of my being wants to rise and fly away, not stay and face the bleakness. But the moment I resolve to be present and not flee, there's a slight shift in my experience. I breathe into my belief that I'll always feel like this. And of course, I'm different in that instant. 
Stay with it, something whispers. So I do, watching as the contour of the pain moves and shapeshifts. I'm part of a continuum, and when I stop resisting, I flow with a natural procession of highs and lows. It's only my refusal to let life unfold exactly as it is that leaves me feeling hopeless and imprisoned. There's one other one I wanted to read. This is, well, I'll just read it. Begin somewhere. Take one deep breath and dive. Plunge into the core of your most persistent fear or your greatest joy. Grow comfortable with the act of exploration. Well, maybe not comfortable, but confident of your ability to be sure-footed on slick rocks, steady while the winds gust. Well, maybe not entirely confident, but willing to set out despite persistent doubts, breathing your way into whatever you are facing. Well, maybe not even all that willing, (laughs) but you take it anyway, that first step into the unknown. Courage is starting where there is no secure outcome No sure result. The secret is you can begin again at any time. Take one deep breath and dive. And if we can take one deep breath and dive into the soft spot that says, oh, I'm alive. There's a heart in here that cares, that can be tender, that can be real, our willingness to take that, to quiet down enough to feel that tenderness uh, is all we need. Then the truth will keep on unfolding and give us just what we need. And out of that sadness or contraction, there's strength and joy just on the other side. So... um, just stop there. I just wonder if you have a way that you get to your soft spot when you're feeling stuck. I'd be interested in that first, and then we'll see if anything else is on people's minds. How do you get in touch with your soft spot? Something that I I try to do. It's just something that happens, and I I mean, you make me think of it because of because of your um, you know musical interest. That uh, oftentimes there'll be a, a song, uh, a musical piece, and uh, yeah, it's transforming. I think I might have mentioned this, this one uh, Will Ackerman cut that I 
other over and over when I'm really wanting to get my heart touched. It's the impending death of the virgin spirit. Every time the cello plays, it's like, oh, it takes me away. Oh, I need that again. Let me touch that again. If I'm at an impasse with somebody else or if there's some tension, I imagine I imagine them as a child or as a very young child and having them having conflict with their parents of some sort. And because everybody's parents are always imperfect in some way. So I imagine when they're first hurt and then sort of allows me to be a little bit more compassionate and, and tender. Yeah. I like to remember the quote about what Buddha says um, about closer. Um, you know, he said in the end something. I'm paraphrasing, but it's how well did how well did you love? You know, and so a lot of times when I think that, I think, oh, I'm just not coming to where I'm at. Whether it's compassionate with myself or whatever's I'm dealing with in the moment, or whoever I'm dealing with, and. I'm not bringing love to the situation. I'm, you know, I'm just I'm stuck in something else, so the future, the past, or wanting something to happen. And, and if I remember that, you know, in the end, that's what it's going to say. How well did I love? You know, and it's like okay, even in in every moment, in each moment, to be aware of that, to practice. So. My um, one of my warmest um, spots, I guess, is Carl Rogers, who is sort of Mr. Warm and, and fuzzy. And one of his sayings is, um, "The facts are friendly." And so, when something comes at me that's a surprise or a, a jarring or knocks me off of off my course, frequently that saying of Carl Rogers will come to me that the facts are friendly. And so, whatever is coming at me and knocking me, well, that's real. And it may not be my dream, my what I was wanting to be real, but it's it's real. And it so I just go, okay, this is this is what's making this is what is real. And and if I let this speak to me, it um, it connects me with life. Hi. Um, well, um, I do a meditation where um, um, I watch my thoughts and and I ask a, an inquiry. Um, uh, one of the inquiries is, um, "Who is present? Uh, what do you need?" Um, and often I find that behind what's generating the thoughts is like a a child part. Um, you know, some feelings, residual feelings, and, uh, and I can connect and I can see what the need is. You know, I say, what do you need? And sometimes, um, depending on the kind of thought, if it's an angry thought, um, <clears throat> you know, there's fear, you know, so it, then I do kind of meta with that part. Um, sometimes there's kind of a need for mirroring that the child never got if it's a 
a grandiose fantasy kind of thing, you know, so I'll just say, look how beautiful you are, strong or whatever. And, um, and then that warmth and that kind of connection is recovered. So, thanks. Hi. Yeah, uh, two things. One, um, with regard to emotions in general, I have found uh, very, very useful the simple practice of just following it into my body, just first noticing what emotion it is. And sometimes I don't even know. Sometimes I literally have to ask myself. And I'll just you know, close my eyes and say, okay, well, what is this? And rather than looking for the answer, it's merely looking at whatever pops up. And then following that into my body and seeing what emotion, what uh, physical sensation there is that's directly connected. In fact, I think they're one and the same. I think our emotions live in our bodies and form these sensations. And then to simply be with it, just observe it, not try to change it, not try to make it go away, because that's just more resistance, which just sticks it in place, but just to be with it. So there's that. And then with regard to uh, being in the space of love in particular, um, I've got a pretty critical judging mind, and it, it you know, definitely has its way with me and everything else in life. But I find that if I can remember to just let it go and just drop into my heart center is an immediate, total shift. It takes me right out of my judging mind, out of my head, and puts me literally, and ju just simply putting my awareness into my heart center, puts me in that space of simple, gentle, loving acceptance. Immediate shift and, and total shift. So the question is, uh, what touches our hearts? And uh, every day I walk my dog, I now have a pedometer, I'm wearing it now, 3.3 miles. And I have these five-pound weights now on each ankle. It's like trucking. And so on this walk, I run into people with dogs and people along the way. And I try to slip in my Eckhart Tolle practice along the way. And so, and I watch their body language to see if they're receiving the message or not, and I should, I should shut up. And when they want to hear more, and I get closer to speaking about oneness and the connection of myself to the whole, and me being the whole as I am right now, I, I feel my tearing up like your son said, Dad, not again. I feel that. And I sometimes I apologize because it's obvious that I'm doing that. But I'm touching the oneness. I'm touching there. <clears throat> and that's where I want to end up. And I want to be there more so that I won't have these tears and I can go farther into the oneness until I'm one. Thank you.
For a long <laughs> for a long time I have loved one verse of Rilke about unfolding. Um, I don't want to be unfolded. I don't want to be folded anywhere. For where I am folded, I am a lie. And there's a book that A. H. Amath wrote from a retreat in quite a long while ago called The Unfolding Now. And there's also, I have a real connection with the Holy Spirit. I'm more Christian than anything else. And so every morning I pray that the Spirit dwell with me today to comfort, guide, and unfold me. And there is a real sense that the unfolding has been happening when I look at my life. And it's happening faster now, maybe, than it has ever happened before. And some days I just don't quite know who I am anymore. And it's a nice not knowing. Um, my way is really pretty simple. I just, when I'm feeling really stuck and, you know, that really awful, ugh, one of my daughters will just say, Mom, do you need a hug? <laughs> it's like, yes. And I, it's, it's, I'll just start crying just from them even saying that. And they'll give me a big hug and I, everything shifts. I'm just, I'm done, you know. And I just, I think physical touch that, you know, just being held by another person just and nurtured in that way is really, really important. And so I think we need a whole lot more of that. Even if it's just my cat. My cat hugs me all the time. He'll come up. He gives me little love bites on the chin. He'll just come up and like hold my chin. I'm like, okay, Augie, let go now. You know, it's this very possessive little thing. But it's, um, yeah, it just melts me. I mean, you can see I'm all right now. I'm just talking about it. So, so simple, so easy. Like Amaji, Amaji, she, that's what she does. You know, she's teaching everybody just hug. So easy. Any uh, any last comments? We can wind up. So uh, yeah, I would um, encourage you, you know, to to just uh, particularly if you're feeling a bit contracted or armored these days, uh, just uh, find a safe place to get in touch with your soft spot. Um, Tenderize your heart. You know. And then the other side is know how to protect it. It's not like you can go out in the world with that exposed and open and vulnerable heart all the time. So there's a kind of art in, in both, both sides of things where you really take care of yourself. Don't, don't put yourself in, in places where, or don't have your heart so open where you need to take care and protect it, but uh, don't have it so protected that you forget how to be touched. So let's close with a loving kindness. Just uh, bring your attention right into your heart center. If you're not feeling particularly connected to it, you might even just touch it with your hands. 
or even if you are and feel like doing that, is amazing what that we can write with our hand, just feel compassion and send ourselves that. And uh, breathe in kindness, benevolence, caring from around you. Life wants to support you. And let it fill your whole being. Let yourself be touched. As you breathe out, surround yourself with that kind energy. Just invite whatever softening is available. Allow whatever is here to be here. For a few moments, get in touch with your sincerity that would bring you to be here and share the Dharma and let yourself delight in that sincerity of heart that loves the truth and wants to open. And wish yourself well. May I open to all the love that's inside and share it well. May I hold my fears and contractions and confusion with a tenderness and understanding. May I share my wisdom, my kindness, my caring as best I can. May I wake up to my true nature and see who I really am beneath any confusion. And then to extend these kinds of thoughts to everyone here who just like you wants to be happy and at ease and peaceful. May all of us find that ease and peace and feel the love inside and share it well. May all of us wake up to our true nature And then extend that out to everyone in this neighborhood, 
people and all creatures and out throughout this area and state and country and planet, all beings in all directions, as I want to be happy, may all beings have happiness in their lives. May all feel their caring heart and share their love well. May all see clearly and wake up to their true nature. And may our coming here together be of benefit to ourselves, everyone in our lives, and all beings everywhere. May all beings be happy. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.